I'm Alexander Price, and you're listening to Machine Elf Radio. So on this week's episode, we'll be talking about the philosophy and techniques of becoming conscious and awake in dreams. Sort of continuing the theme begun last week with Carl Jung and UFOs and how you know or how can you know the difference between dreams and reality or is it even possible to know. So that's that's really a, a major interest that Descartes is looking at in his meditations on first philosophy. But before we jump into it, I'll tell a personal anecdote about when I first started experimenting with these sort of ideas. I was about 25 years old and living on the Lower East Side in Manhattan, and I was a dancer. I was uh, uh, in in a program at Alvin Ailey and uh, just in a very good place spiritually. And this is when I first encountered Osho in his book uh, that's published, The Book of Secrets. Osho, I'll I'll share this with you at the end of the episode, what Osho had to say about... um, techniques for becoming conscious in dreams but so i was experimenting with it at this time and uh and i had a dream once i had a dream that i was sitting on a couch in my um apartment talking to one of my friends and uh i stopped in the middle of the conversation and i looked around and i was like wait is this really happening or is this a dream and I turned and I looked at her and like first, I, m- I remember first I looked at the couch and the furniture. I was touching the fabric of the couch. I was touching and looking at all of the details in the table in front of me. And then I turned and I looked at her and I looked at her eyes and I looked at her eyelashes and her hair. And I, s- I was looking at her skin and I could see the pores in her skin. And then that was, that was the point where I decided, okay, this is definitely a hundred percent real there's no question this is really happening. And then, boom, I woke up, and it it turned out it had been a dream. And this is the sort of thing that Rene Descartes wants to talk about in his first meditation. I'm looking at the Oxford University Press translation of the Meditations on First Philosophy, the first meditation. And, uh, you know, he's trying to start from nothing, start from zero, and, and... and establish what is it possible to know with certainty. And so then here in the first one meditation, one of the first things he establishes is that I can be sure that my body is mine. And there's no reason to doubt this. And the only people who do doubt that they are, I guess, something other than what they really are, are uh, madmen. He, he, he gives the example of like beggars who think they're kings or naked people who think that they're wearing purple, which is, you know, the royal, royal clothing. And it's just so obviously crazy that, uh, if, that if he didn't accept the, the body as his own, that he would be, uh, in the same category. So then he writes, this is all very well to be sure, but am I not a human being? And therefore in the habit of sleeping at night, when in my dreams, I have all the same experiences as these madmen do when they are awake or sometimes even stranger ones. How often my sleep at night has convinced me of all these familiar things, that I was here wrapped in my gown sitting by the fire when in fact I was lying naked under the bedclothes. All the same, I am now perceiving this paper with eyes that are certainly awake. The head I am nodding is not drowsy. I stretch out my hand and feel it knowingly and deliberately. A sleeper would not have these experiences so distinctly. 
But have I then forgotten those other occasions on which I have been deceived by similar thoughts in my dreams? When I think this over more carefully, I see so clearly that waking can never be distinguished from sleep by any conclusive indications that I am stupefied, and this very stupor comes close to persuading me that I am asleep after all. So then he goes on to say, okay, let's assume that we are dreaming, and the things that we're seeing right now at this moment, they're not really true, or that the body which we believe at this moment to be ours is not real. I suppose because, you know, in your dreams, you're, you're imagining that you're walking around and doing all these things with your hands when in fact your body, you know, is lying in bed, so uh, maybe it isn't real. So then he so then he compares the things the, the images that we see in sleep to painted images that it's not possible to form them except on the basis of resembling something that really does exist. And then he points out that there are certain truths that are true whether you're dreaming or not. For example, mathematical truths that two plus three equals five, that or a square has four sides and no more. So then he goes on to say, you know, that well, I believe you know, strongly that God exists, but how can I know that uh, the same way that I believe there are other people who are mistaken about things that they think they know with absolute certainty, but how can I know that I'm also not being similarly deceived about something that I believe in with absolute confidence? You know, and he, he kind of goes on about this for a little while and then in the end says, that uh, that he has to admit that there's nothing he believes which can't legitimately be doubted. And so that if he, if he wants to discover if anything really is certain, he has to, you know, withhold judgment on what's real or what's not, or, or what we might call, you know, suspend his belief. You know, we talk in, in, in fiction writing about suspension of disbelief, but here he's uh, kind of doing something similar with reality, saying, you know, I'm going to suspend my belief. So then at the end of the first meditation, he says, okay, as a sort of, you know, thought experiment, let me then suppose that maybe it is the case that it's not God, but some sort of evil spirit has devoted all of his efforts to tricking me, and that everything that I think that I know as real, the sky, the earth, all the external things around me, uh, and my my body itself, my hands and my eyes, and you know my body, my whole body, is uh, an illusion, like in a dream, and uh, none of it is real. But you know, some sort of evil spirit has actually tried, just tried to trick me into believing that it's real. And then at the end of the this first meditation, he he brings it to a conclusion by saying, you know, this way of thinking about my environment. Uh, basically is is exhausting, like I can't keep it up for very long. He says the same way that there's a prisoner who has gone to sleep and is dreaming that he's free, the same way that that prisoner is afraid of waking up, so I also am scared to wake up because of the prospect of uh, how difficult it is to carry this sort of exhausting mental exertion to maintain that kind of awareness and how much easier it is just to, you know, relax and fall back into customary habits and habitual ways of perceiving reality. So that's kind of the quick and rough summary of the first and part of the second meditations in, in Descartes' Meditations on First Philosophy. He comes back to this later in the sixth meditation, 
but I'm not going to get into that so much today. I'll just, you know, say that he does eventually come to a conclusion that it's possible to know some things, except uh, as humans, we're very fallible and prone to make mistakes. Many of us first came into contact with these sorts of ideas through the movie The Matrix. I was just thinking how amazing it is. This movie came out in 1999, and there are kids in high school now who weren't even born when the movie came out, and I wonder what it looks like to them. But for a lot of us at the time, it was a sort of revelation, just this idea that the whole world around you that you were experiencing was a, a computer simulation. And not only, not, only, not only a revelatory idea, but it actually qu quite plausible. Plausible in the context of the technology which was becoming available of virtual reality where you could actually experience worlds. You can experience worlds that aren't real. And a big part of Neo's training in this movie is getting the idea into his head that what he's experiencing isn't real. There's this fight scene that, with Morpheus where, uh, you know, they're inside a, not the Matrix itself, but uh, a sort of simulation training program where they're in like a dojo and they're uh, fighting each other. And so I guess the outcome of their of their this fight that they have is that Morpheus wins. And then he turns and he asks Neo, he says, how did I beat you? And Neo says, um, you're too fast. And, and Morpheus says, do you believe that my being stronger or faster has anything to do with my muscles in this place? Do you think that's air that you're breathing right now? You know, the point being that uh, he still thinks it's real and that that's what's holding him back from fully utilizing the full range of possibilities that appear in this sort of new, in this new experience. I actually didn't see this movie right when it came out, but I saw it around the same time that I was finding Osho and The Book of Secrets. I enthusiastically re recommend it. It's a... Uh, 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 it's available online. You know, there there are uh, plenty of copies circulating around under the uh, Sanskrit title, which is Vigyan Bhairav Tantra. Vigyan, V-I-G-Y-A-N, Bhairav, B-H-A-I-R-A-V. So you should be able to find it real easily if you want. But I do, I do recommend purchasing the book if you're uh, if you're interested because this is another of those two thousand page monsters, and it's also been a book that uh, has remained uh, as special to me today, twenty years later, as the first time I encountered it. So, um, so this is where I first uh, uh, encountered this idea of the techniques for becoming conscious in dreams. And so this comes relatively close to the beginning of Volume 1. It's in Chapter 6, which is titled Devices to Transcend Dreaming. And uh, the Vigyan Bhairav Tantra, the Book of Secrets, is Osho's commentary on this ancient text of, of meditation techniques, tantric meditation techniques. There, I guess, uh, uh, I think it's 112 techniques for becoming enlightened. And the way Osho presents it, he says there, there's these 112 techniques and one of them, you only need one of them to work for you to attain enlightenment. And um, there's the, so there's one technique within the 112, Osho says, that will work for anybody. Everybody has one technique here that will be the one that works for them. So within that context, uh, one of the uh, 
areas of focus. There's a couple, a, a couple, maybe one or two or three of the techniques are here in this chapter uh, about transcending dreaming. Now I'm just going to read, you know, tiny little bits here and there from uh, this chapter, but uh, um, the technique that he's talking about in the, in this passage I'm looking at at the moment is about treating all of your experiences as if they were a dream. This is, you know, kind of what we started talking about in the first episode. So continuing on with it, the idea is to go through your day considering everything that's happening as a dream. Okay, so I'll just read a tiny little bit here from Osho. He says, Why do you think that this is a reality? Because the whole day you are thinking everything is a reality. That has become the attitude, a fixed attitude. While you were awa while awake, you were taking a bath. It was real. While awake, you were eating. It was real. While awake, you were talking with a friend. It was real. For the whole day, the whole life, whatsoever you're thinking, your attitude is that this is real. This becomes fixed. This becomes a fixed attitude in the mind. So while you're dreaming in the night, the same attitude goes on working, that this is real. So let's first analyze. There must be some similarity between dreaming and reality. Otherwise, this attitude would be somewhat difficult. Okay, so then he kind of like gets into, uh, you know, how seeing uh, your experience of seeing an object during the day isn't different from your experience of seeing an object at night. Now, and Osho's talking about the brain and how like your... Uh, how science doesn't really understand what a dream is, which is true. It's not entirely unknown, like some things are known, but when it really comes down to it, it's a mystery. And he's right about that. So so he's talking about this, about how um, chemical messages, you know, go through the brain and, and somehow uh, dreams happen in the brain. Then he says, I'm always inside and you're always outside and there's no meeting. So whether you are real or just a dream is a problem. Even at this very moment, there is no way to judge whether I am dreaming or you are really here. Listening to me, how can you say that really you are listening to me, that you're not dreaming? There's no way. That is why the attitude which you maintain the whole day is carried over into the night. And while you are dreaming, you take it as real. So then he suggests, try the opposite. You know, the, the Hindu saint Shankara, he says the whole world is an illusion. The whole world is dreaming. And then Osho goes on, he says, if Shankara says, this is a dream, then we say, what is the need to do anything? If this is just a dream, then there's no need to eat. Why go on eating and thinking that this is a dream? Don't eat. But then remember when you feel hunger, it is a dream. Or eat, and when you feel that you have eaten too much, remember this is a dream. Shankara is not telling you to change the dream. Remember, because the effort to change the dream is again falsely based on the belief that it is real. Otherwise, there's no need to change anything. Shankara is just saying that whatever is the case is a dream. Remember this. Do not do anything to change it. Just remember it constantly. Now here's when he gets, he gets to the actual technique. He says, Try to remember for three, for three weeks continuously that whatsoever you are doing is just a dream. In the beginning, it's very difficult. You will fall again and again into the old pattern of the mind. You will start thinking that this is a reality. You will have to constantly awaken yourself to remind yourself that this is a dream. If for three weeks continuously you can maintain this attitude, then in the fourth or fifth week, any night while dreaming, you will suddenly remember that this is a dream. This is one way to penetrate dreams with consciousness, with awareness. If you can remember in the night while dreaming that this is a dream, then in the day you will not need any effort to remember that this is also a dream. You will know it then. In the beginning, while you're practicing this, it will just be make-believe. You start just in faith, 
this is a dream. But when you can remember in dreaming that this is a dream, it will become a reality. Then in the day, when you get up, you will not feel that you are getting up from sleep. You will feel that you are simply getting up from one dreaming to another. Then it will become a reality. So I first encountered this book, as I said, in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, when I was in my mid-20s, and um, I gave it a shot, you know? I took this, I took it very seriously, I took it to heart, and I hope you will too, because um, it's worth it. Uh, it's very magical. This is, this is I think uh, it opened a door for me um, to a very magical reality. And reality is very magical, but we're just, I don't know, somehow have gotten in this nightmare that life is about getting up every day and going to work and coming home and collapsing on the weekend just to try and scramble and do a few errands and recover so that you can do it again the next week. So I'll tell you a little bit about, you know, what I experienced um, when I tried this, because I hear a lot about uh, people who talk about having lucid dreams. Uh, apparently they say, you know, they can do whatever they want in the dreams. They're like super, super people. They're, they're like, you know, superheroes. They can fly. They can, uh, I don't know, uh, what would you want to do? I don't know, you know, have a waitress on roller skates bring you ice cream. But um, I've, I've never been successful. But the way that I haven't been successful, I think is very interesting. But I was stopping every two hours and I was just whatever I was doing, look around and ask yourself seriously in, in, in utter um, sincerity, just stop and say, is this really happening right now or am I dreaming? And I did take it very seriously. Um, and so just as Osho describes, you know, he says, do this continuously for three or four weeks. It actually didn't even take me that long. I think it took maybe at most two weeks. And then I started having dreams where, um, I stopped and I, I, I was like, wait, is this, is this a dream or is this really happening right now? And then I was like, okay, this is definitely real. This isn't a dream. And then, you know, I woke up and I was like, damn it. It was a dream. And I thought it was real. And so, this happened to me uh, several times. And finally, I just stopped trying because I kept having the same experience over and over of being in a dream and stopping and asking myself, is this a dream or is this real? And deciding, yes, this is definitely real. And then um, it turned out to be a dream. I guess this was the key difference. And maybe this was the reason that I didn't succeed in the end was that uh, instead of saying, this is a dream, I was stopping and I was asking myself, is this a dream or is this real? So I don't know, maybe I was just too young, maybe I wasn't ready for it, maybe I just didn't understand what Osho was saying, maybe I should have gone back and reread the chapter a few times to understand his point that, like, he's not saying... Um, I mean, he was... He, he is saying... In this, in this book, he's talking about the uh, technique of Tantra being scientific. So he's saying, test and see, you know, learn for yourself. That's what Tantra is. Tantra isn't a doctrine. Tantra isn't telling you what's going on, what's real, what to believe. But Tantra is techniques for how you can discover reality yourself. 
And so that's what I, I guess that's what I was trying, you know, but, um, but I guess now that, uh, I have the wisdom of experience, what I'm increasingly starting to recognize is that the proper technique for becoming conscious in dreams is to, isn't to ask yourself, is this a dream, but to know and to remind yourself, this is a dream. So perhaps I guess the technique, the, the issue isn't about belief or, um, or training, but it's, I guess, about, uh, realization of the reality. And that's where I'm coming to so many years later. I say 20 years, but I'm not really that old. Um, it's been a while. It's close. It's close, but, uh, it's taken me a long time to come back around to the understanding that this is a dream, but also to understand the other point Osho is making that it doesn't mean that you don't have to go to work. Although that's another thing that, uh, I'm working on, but, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't mean, you know, quit your job. It doesn't mean, you know, you stop brushing your teeth just because this is a dream. It's not really real. Um, but becoming awake is just the first step. So I also want to read a beautiful little uh, excerpt from the book of of Zhuangzi. This is that's the correct Chinese pronunciation I've learned from uh, YouTube videos. He was a Taoist philosopher and a staunch opponent of Confucianism. The outline said to the shadow, first you are on the move." Then you are standing still. You sit down, and then you stand up. Why can't you make up your mind? Shadow replied, Do I have to look to something else to be what I am? Does this something else itself not have to rely upon yet another something? Do I have to depend upon the scales of a snake or the wings of a cicadia? How can I tell how things are? How can I tell how things are not? Once upon a time, I, Zhuangzi, dreamt that I was a butterfly, flitting around and enjoying myself. I had no idea I was Zhuangzi. Then suddenly I woke up and was Zhuangzi again. But I could not tell. Had I been Zhuangzi dreaming I was a butterfly, or a butterfly dreaming I was now Zhuangzi? However, there must be some sort of difference between Zhuangzi and a butterfly. We call this the transformation of things. Namah Shivaya.